Hello, and welcome to the Business Behind Small Business, the show that reminds you that just because you own a business doesn't mean you're a business owner. In each episode, we will discuss a common issue small businesses face and offer tips and advice from the perspectives of two business owners, one that built to sell and one that built to inherit. We are your hosts, Savannah Stone and Chloe Lee. There's a lot of business behind small business, so let's get to it. Networking. It's an essential part of marketing your company and yet the most misunderstood part of growing your market. Many new businesses and business owners have a belief that they are incapable of networking or that networking just doesn't work for them. The problem isn't the business, it's their concept of networking that's failing them. Networking isn't about selling yourself, your business, grabbing a card, gulping down a drink and heading home. It's not a job fair. Networking is an opportunity to get to know each other, each other's businesses outside of a professional setting to see if you may be a good match for referrals or for business. Before we begin, we should note our disclaimer. We are not licensed financial experts, nor do we give financial advice. Anything we share with you here on our podcast, whether it be a personal experience or submission or advice or tips that have worked for us, or that we believe would work for you should not be viewed as either financial, business, or tax advice. We ask for you to do your research, have open and honest conversations with your company's own support providers, and make decisions based upon that. Throughout this broadcast, we will share our knowledge and give suggestions and hope you will receive them as part of your overall research to better your own company. <coughs> All right. <laughs> I I will also uh, give everybody a heads up here or a disclaimer that I might I have a I have this really annoying hack cough so I'm doing my best to try and minimize it as best I can but um, hopefully you don't listen to us on earbuds or listen to us too loudly because I, you will hear me hack every now and then so I, my apologies now. <laughs> So let's start with some general do's and don'ts when it comes to business networking. So I want to provide a general summary of this. And then, Savannah, you'll be going into kind of how this applies in real life. Yes. So we're going to go over five points. One, practice your intro before you get to the event. What Mm -hmm. you don't want to do is sound like you're reciting a line or reading out loud of a mental note card. You want to sound natural and not stiff or boring when you get to these events. Mm -hmm. Number two, be prepared to have a conversation. Now, that may sound a little silly, but to be quite honest, you really do need to practice the ways to start a conversation that doesn't center around the words. What do you do? My favorite favorite three words, by the way, or four words. Four words. What do you do? do? (laughs) Never mind. Sorry. The thing is, if you don't practice, this is kind of the default you go to. Keep a list of topics handy in mind so that you can keep the conversation going without having to rely on the conversation starter of what do you do? Additionally, you also want to keep other topics in mind so that you can steer away from talking about certain topics that you really probably don't want to get into with somebody you just met. Let's say, for example, politics, religion, or anything that's considered TMI for yourself or the other person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number three, let's talk about follow-up. I think one of the things that's a very good habit is that every time you have a networking event, 
make sure you set aside some time afterwards to do the actual follow-up, especially if you're going to an event with a lot of people, because you may end up making connections with four or five or even 10 people, and you wanna make sure you're kind of following up in a timely manner so that they don't forget who you are. Now, you don't have to actually connect with every person you receive a business card from. Um, I think, Savannah, you're going to go into this a little yep. bit about how some people's default approach is essentially to shove you a business card as soon as they meet you. Mm. So you don't technically have to connect with every person. Um, and also, you don't always have to connect with every person in person. Right. Use your judgment and use your resources. You can connect with people on LinkedIn. You can connect with them over email. You can set up a video call. You can also do a phone call these days. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you can actually connect with somebody these days without having to sit down for a 30 or an hour long face-to-face meeting. Now, let's say that you wanna meet somebody in person. You wanna make sure you go to that meeting prepared. Time is valuable and limited for yourself and for everybody else. So come to the meeting ready to learn about the details of what the other person's business is and who they are, and then be prepared to share what you do and who you are. Go with the intention to create business synergy between the two of you, or go with the intention to make a connection of that person with somebody else in your network. Sometimes making an introduction between two people can kind of help, um, that can help their businesses respectively. And even if it means that you don't get any direct business, still reflects really well upon you. Mm-hmm. And I think Savannah, you've mentioned this before in another podcast, essentially just be a super connector. You know, mm-hmm. you can build yourself up to be someone who knows a lot of people in different industries in different worlds and know them well enough to be able to give them a call at any time to make this kind of introduction. Yes. And then last, regardless of how you decide to meet somebody, whether it's face to face, email or phone, just make sure you keep up the connection. Touch in every so often, one email or just a face to face meeting right after the networking uh, event that you've met at isn't going to build your relationship. Relationships aren't built overnight or over one meeting. So set yourself a reminder to connect with that person every so often as time goes on. All right, number four, let's talk about bringing positive energy when you go into these networking events. (laughs) Let's be honest, nobody wants to connect with somebody who is grumpy or negative or someone Mm -hmm. who sounds bored when they're talking about their own business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I I find there are a lot of those people at at these events. And I always wonder, like, why are you here? I mean, they even sound like they're jaded from going to so many networking events. So. Honestly, you kind of want to bring your energy to every event so you're making that good first and honest impression. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, if you're an introvert and being in a full room of strangers is overwhelming, um, one of the things you can do is basically pace yourself when you're there, right? If you need to, find an excuse to walk out of the room and grab a cup of coffee or go to the restroom to give yourself a few minutes to take a break and take a breather. Mm-hmm. And then that way you can come back to the room refreshed. And then the last thing I have here is um, be aware that you're always networking. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, whether you're in an actual networking event or you're just attending your kid's event as a parent, let's be honest, as a small business owner or entrepreneur, you are always networking, whether mm-hmm. you know it or not. You may never know who you're going to meet in that, you know, quote unquote, non-business setting. That might be somebody who can help connect you with the person that's going to be your next big business, uh, uh, your best referral source. So that being said, Savannah, mm-hmm. you want to talk everybody through on how to actually do this in real life? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to speak to the networking events here that grate on my nerves. <laughs> uh, so let me set the stage. All right, let's say you're at a networking event because we can do that again. You've bought your drink, you've put on that tacky name tag, and now you're scoping the room to see who you might know because we naturally gravitate to the people we know to avoid getting to know new people. Someone walks up to you as you're searching for your people and says, hi, what's your name? What do you do? <sighs> You stammer, you're not sure what to say, and in less than a minute, you've been thrust with a card, learned nearly nothing about the person who just verbally accosted you in the nicest manner, and wonder if this is really your scene after all. So take a minute, step back from this scenario, and recognize all of the things that are wrong with it. What do you do, no matter what the setting, is such a pervasive question. Handing someone a card before knowing if they want that card is presumptuous and rude. Walking away to get to the next person to rinse and repeat is the antithesis of networking. And I know, Chloe, that you have been a part of this. I have been a part of this scene so many times. That's the reason why I'm mentioning it. I feel like that there have been so many times that I have been to events where most of the time I'm thinking, do any of you know what you're doing? Do any of you do any of you know what this is about? This is not about this. I don't want your card. I don't want your I don't want your card. Just what? So you're like, go away. Yes, please. God. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think you set up a pretty classic example of what happens over and over again. And oh, yeah. Like you said, from personal experience and a number of networking events between the two of us that we've gone to, mm-hmm. this is definitely a very common scenario. And I hope our listeners can all, probably can also agree to the same. <laughs> they've been in the same situation over and over again. Yeah. And maybe wondering, hmm, I wonder if I've ever done that. Hmm. So uh, this is how the scenario should really go. Okay, you're still scanning. Someone comes up to you and says, looks like you're looking for someone. Should I look too? They've caught your attention and maybe you feel a little bit of meek and, uh, you know, whatever. You say, hi, my name is whatever. And what's yours? Uh, Or they say, I'm sorry. They say, hi, my name is X and what's yours? So you give your name and then here's the kicker. So tell me a little about yourself. Have you been to this event before? Ah, Now, here we go. Instead of going for the slice and kill, this person is actually investing in you. Adversely, you could be approached by that same person and turn the tables by saying, well, before I tell you that, why don't you tell me your name? Follow that with, tell me about yourself. Do you live close by? Are you a member as well? Or is this your first time? I heard there's snow in the forecast. Will it affect your business? Mastering small talk is important to networking. I call them icebreakers, call them whatever you want, but you have to finesse a conversation. And that is at the core of networking. I I call it a verbal ping pong. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of verbal ping pong. Yeah. You want to keep up the right speed, go back and forth, you know, keep them on when you're talking. And there should be some level of a rhythm to it. Um, And if there isn't, if it seems disjointed, um, and you're feeling like, okay, or maybe you're just feeling like you're ready to move on. You can say, it's been such a pleasure learning about you. I don't want to take more of your time. This is a night for networking after all. May I have your card? I'd love to chat over phone or coffee to see how we can be mutually beneficial to each other. Um, or if the person didn't serve you at all, you could leave it at the goodbye and have that person remember how kind you are. People want people to be interested in them. By asking pointed questions, you're showing an interest and learning about how closely your business businesses could interact. Maybe there aren't any sparks between the companies, but what you're establishing here is a reputation of respect. 
chances are you're building your circle and the small business world is small. Building a reputation births an experience and that experience will then develop into a connection in what you are building, a network. Now, when the question does come to the so what do you do phase, this is another opportunity for you to elicit conversation. For example, if I answered that question by saying I keep people from going out of business, you're likely going to be interested. You're going to ask me how and boom, conversation started. When you respond with how you create results, you cut out all that middle fluff that a person wouldn't have remembered anyway and position yourself as the most interesting person in the room. That's something you would remember. You wouldn't remember, oh, I do, I don't know, I sell insurance. Oh, no. I mean, what if you said, I keep people out of jail? I don't know. What do you mean you keep people? How do you keep people out of jail? Well, I sell them, I sell them, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a tight business insurance and that keeps them from, you know, compliances and lawsuits and everything else. I don't, I don't know. And that's you the think thing of it. Too, right? Like you have to practice this. Otherwise, if you don't practice this and somebody comes to you and they say, what do you do? Like your first instinct is to tell them what you actually do versus yeah. the result of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been a few, yeah. And there have been a few times when I've been caught in this, you know, Oh, what I call like the, the toilet bowl of hell where the person just keeps going on and on and on and on about all of the things that they do. And I still have no idea what they do. It drives me crazy. Um, but what you could do is ask that person who they would like to be connected to, because now you just made them special. You made them feel like they are the your only in- interest right now. Maybe, you know, someone in the room and you can introduce them to that person. This small act makes you valuable. It makes you memorable. And even if you don't know anyone else in the room, as you work it, you'll meet that person and then have an opportunity to introduce that first person to this person later on. Networking is about connecting. That I mean, that's the definition of the word. It's about relationships, about getting deeper into who we are. And this is how you actively participate. But networking, it's not always easy. You do want to steer clear from the no-no's. These stand whether you're still doing video networking or if you're now attending them live. I am going to be reiterating some of the things that you mentioned, Chloe. Uh, some of them are politics, religion, getting too personal, keeping the jokes rated G as well. You're not that close to these people. This isn't the impression you want to leave. If someone else delves into the no-no realm and you want to get out fast, you could say you're hilarious <laughs> or interesting or whatever description you want to put here. But I don't want to take up all of your time. I'm I'm happy to introduce you to the people you want to be connected to. I don't know a lot of people here, but I'll keep my ears perked for what you want. Uh, this is satisfying and it's a good way to get you out of an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, and to tell you the truth, when it happened to me on a Zoom, I was on a Zoom and a couple of the people in the breakout room that I was put into knew each other <clears throat> and they started talking about something that was absolutely inappropriate. And I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Like I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys can see point, me. Actually, like even, let I me mean, even not going to zoom, but let's just say like, um, even just in a live networking event and you're kind of broken off, like in a, a group. Yeah. Sometimes like if that group of people knows each other, they'll, they'll start talking about a conversation about something that either yeah. is an inside joke or like you said, could be totally inappropriate. So certainly don't do that to other people too. Right. Yeah. I would say that if you're in a small group and you're talking and you, you notice that somebody looks like they're a little left out, include them in the discussion. It's, it's still yeah. be rude. 
Absolutely. And I really didn't know. I kind of felt like a deer in headlights in this particular scenario because it's a Zoom, right? Like I can't walk away. Um, <laughs> there is a big red button. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I didn't know what I was supposed to do. <clears throat> so what I did instead was just not saying anything at all and just let them keep on going and just waited until the breakout room went back to the main room. And then I got went to a different bre- breakout. And that's where I um, that's when I started talking. But before that, I was like, oh, my gosh, where are you? What? Why? Anyway, um, networking is nothing if you don't follow up. Try to keep the number of cards you gather under 10. I don't care if there's a thousand people at that event. You do not need 500 cards. It's a it's a feat. I, I know. But any more than that, you're going to start forgetting who people are and they're not going to remember you. So send send an email thanking them for meeting them the very next day so that you're top of mind. Remind them in the email where you met them so they can identify you easier. Now, we're in the Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. There is a networking event nearly all day long, every day of the week. I know people who hit four a day when they're being adventurous. So don't assume that this person that you have the card of will automatically remember you. You could start an email with the subject line, lovely to meet you or pleasure to meet you, whichever works. Then in the body, say something to the effect of, it was a great pleasure to meet you last night at the chamber event at Main Street Steakhouse in D.C. or or whatever it is. Like name the event, name where it was, name name the town it was in or whatever. Uh, I truly enjoyed getting to know you and your business and hope you were able to make some great connections. As I mentioned, my company offers X, Y, and Z, which I think makes us a great referral connection. I'd love to sit and chat with you about potential opportunities. Are you available next Tuesday or Wednesday at 9.30 or 10? By giving two options of days and two options of times, this prevents the person from flat out saying no or just not, not even responding to you. Now that you've given them two options, they kind of feel like they have to respond to you. Uh, they may choose one of those or provide a day and time that works better. Now, this is a side note. Please do not take liberties with these cards. This person shared their card with you as a way to encourage a second step, not to invite them to a mailing list or for you to give their information to someone else to solicit them. That's not only bad business practice, it's plain rude. Now, if you do have a newsletter and you take before you take their card, say to them, before I take your card, I have a mailing list, a newsletter in which I provide blah, blah and blah, blah. Are you okay with me adding you to the list? You can unsubscribe if you don't find any value in it. Then they can decide whether or not they should give you their card. Because you know what? What if they say, actually, no, I don't. I'd rather not. Um, Why don't you give me your card? And and mind you, this can be a situation in which you you could be the opposite in in this situation as too. Why don't you give me your card instead so that when I'm prepared to reach out to you, I can just reach out to you. So. There's a fine art to communication. It's, you know, there are college courses on it. That's what I specialized in, in intercommunication. You got to know how important that skill is to networking, how important networking is to growing business. So the next time someone asks you, so what do you do? You'll know exactly what to say. Remember that networking is about creating relationships, not for selling your business. Do talk about yourself and ask them questions about themselves. Don't talk about politics, religion, or make crass jokes about their job or business. When the person does ask you what you do, let them know how your business solves a problem. This will engage them further. Try to introduce them to someone to make yourself valuable, if possible. And lastly, always follow up. If you think this person could potentially benefit from your business or vice versa, offer two options to meet. And finally, 
never add someone to a mailing list or solicit their information without their knowledge. Oh, those are all very, very good points. Yes. I, I mean, and if you do networking right, the relationships last a very mm. long time. Well, I mean, we're, we're examples of that. So I will say that when I started the business and, you know, went through all the networking events and whatnot, the people I met, I mean, there were a few key people that, like yourself, Savannah, mm-hmm. that I still know today. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly key people that I've met, which were amazing business referral sources and mm-hmm. absolutely helped me build the foundation of the business that, you know, helped it grow to what it was before I sold it. So I can't say enough about how great networking is if you do it right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that there should be, I, I literally said this yesterday to somebody where there should be, um, just like when you take your driver, get your driver's license before you drive a car, there should be a class before you join any networking group um, to teach you how to speak to people. Because, you know, we're, we're talking about those open networking events Right. We haven't even touched on um, those networking groups where you have to stand up and give an elevator pitch. Uh, we haven't even touched on that. But um, I will I will touch on that a little bit here. Please practice a, a script. You have to practice a script and time yourself. I can't tell you the amount of times. And, you know, I've I ran a networking group. I was the president of, of a couple of chapters. I've I've done I, I've. I've been the core of networking for many, many years. And these, there have been so many times when a person just goes on and on and on and you're looking at the timer and it's like three minutes and they still haven't gotten to the end of whatever they were saying. No one wants to hear you talk that much. No one does. Name your company, give, give the results of what happens with going with your company and your 30 second spiel or 45 second spiel with your name and the name of your company. And that's it. If anybody wants anything else, they can come and get come and meet you. I mean, I want to say one of the do's that we we have been kind of reiterating over and over again is you just have to practice. This is mm-hmm. not natural to most everybody. Yeah, it just isn't. And you're not going to learn it through osmosis unless you just happen to be one of those people who are very eloquent and just are very precise in how you say things um, and and what you're saying. But Look, 99% of the people, it's not natural. You just have to practice and you keep practicing until you have it down, like you said, to something concise, something that is well-timed, something that is informational, holds the attention of the people you're speaking to. And at the same time, here's the art of it is it has to sound like you. Yeah. It has to sound natural. Like Mm -hmm. I said, you don't want to sound like you're, you know, reading off a mental note card. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and guess what? You'll lose their interest within the first second as soon as you sound like you're reading off a script. You know what? I uh, Before I started my company, um, well, it had been a long time since I had been inside of a classroom. And before I started my company, all of my prior years were in some level of sales. Um, in, yeah, in some level of sales. And I did not know the corporate world how the corporate world spoke. No one in my family, none of my friends worked in a corporate setting. So I knew that the language was going to be different than what I currently spoken. I enrolled in a class at the, at the community college. I enrolled in an intercommunication and public speaking class, classes rather. Um, not because 
I don't know how to speak, not because I'm afraid to speak, not because of any of those reasons, but mostly because I wanted to know how to speak more professionally. That was the greatest investment I could have ever made. And listeners, if you are struggling at all, take advantage of your local community college and see if you can take an intercommunication class. It really drills into you how to communicate with people effectively and how to get your point across with less words. Uh, it, it was the greatest investment I could have made because the way I spoke prior to, I mean, I spoke like a normal person, right? I spoke like a, I guess like a layman, but I didn't know how to cor- corporate speak. I didn't know how to professional speak and it taught me how to. Uh, and it will also teach you when you go into networking, because when you're networking, yes, everyone is there to get to know each other, but they're also there to get to know each other's businesses. Everyone's there for the unspoken reason of connecting their businesses, further their businesses. But no one wants to talk about their businesses, <laughs> right? Like well, you're all there for your business, but yeah. you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there saying that you're there for your business. So you got to figure out how to talk about your business without talking about your business. It, it, that's actually such a good way of putting it. That is kind of the underlying um, approach. If you are a great networker is somehow somehow you find a way to leave an impression about who you are and what you do without telling others who you are and what you do in exact yep. words. Yep. And that's, you know, again, takes practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like you, you also want to like, you know, we're not saying that you need to turn yourself into somebody you're not in order to go to networking events. Right. You, you don't want to like you don't want to manipulate people or come oh, right. be like a sleazy salesperson who's always looking for, you know, what others can do for you before you can do something for them. Mm-hmm. Right. We're saying that, you know, you need to practice and find a method that is a good balance that allows you to be who you are and also achieve your business goals. Mm-hmm. And you always want to be genuine, sincere, because guess what? Business owners, hey, we're smart people, right? We know <laughs> right away when somebody's coming at us that we're being sold to. And as soon as that happens, all of the attention turns off. You're not yeah. going to ever listen to that person again. So be sincere, be yourself, be genuine in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we have so much more to say about this, which is why this is a four-part series. And this is the first in the four-part series, because it, it requires a lot of attention. Uh, if you do not put your first, your best foot forward, if you do not know how to uh, initiate business, you're, you're just, you're not, gonna, it doesn't matter what anything else, nothing else matters if you don't know how to communicate. So in each episode, we like to connect a famous example to our discussion to help you relate our talking points on a more global or well-recognized scale. Sometimes we use exact examples of either famous persons or successful business owners of today or in history. And sometimes we use examples of people who inspire us and have inspired today's discussion. So my famous example is Jimmy Fallon. Oh. (laughs) So according to a Business Insider article, Jimmy Fallon. So for those who don't know him, he. Well, you know, you never know. Right. Okay, yeah. But let's just say so a little bit about him. And you know, what's so great about him is that within a span of five years, only five years, he went from being <laughs> a SNL Saturday Night Live alum who wasn't actually doing that well in Hollywood when he tried to go after a movie career mm-hmm. to basically being a late night star of NBC's The Tonight Show. And none of this was done by accident. 
So according to Jimmy Fallon, um, his rise to being host on one of the most respected franchise in the entertainment industry was really due to his intense and intentional focus on building relationships with people who can advance his career. Hmm. He also proved that this type of networking doesn't actually have to be Machiavellian manipulation and can mm-hmm. actually be done through a general interest of personally connecting with influencers. Hmm. So Jimmy Fallon actually started his career doing comedy in small clubs while he was a computer science major in college. Okay. I can't imagine him being a computer that sounds like a hilarious subject. <laughs> he must be the funniest one in his, in his class. Maybe. <laughs> But at the same time in college, he also interned at a New York Alt Weekly um, company, and his former boss um, passed on his audition tape to a, a colleague of his in L.A., who was an entertainment agent by the name of Randy Siegel. Randy herself was only 26 years old then, but she was already making her way through SNL with some clients like David Spade and Adam Sandler. Hmm. He, she absolutely loved his audition tape, gave him a call, and was impressed by Jimmy Fallon's enthusiasm and knowledge for the comedy industry and agreed to take him on as a client. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Fallon himself actually ended up quitting college about one semester shy of graduating because he was so set on getting a role on um, SNL. Hmm. After two auditions, because he completely bombed the first one, (laughs) he finally made it into SNL. And then while he's at SNL, he made connections that would actually later define his career. Mm-hmm. The first connection is on SNL, the producer, Marcy Klein, really took a liking to him and actually recommended that he make his wear, way, rather, make his way into the show's famous creator, Lauren Michaels, and his exclusive SNL after parties. And to do that, she actually gave him a really good tip, which is make sure that you thank Michaels after every show. And that's exactly what he did. After every single show, he thanked him. Hmm. And then eventually, Michaels invited Fallon for drinks with him and all his celebrity friends. And then they became friends after a while. So once they ha- they became friends, um, and a few years later, Fallon actually left SNL, right? So in 2004, he left SNL because he wanted to pursue a movie career and actually just ended up being on a, a few flops, really. Yeah. So he, was, he just wasn't doing very well for himself. And so five years later, in 2009, when a seat on the NBC late night show um, opened up after Conan and Brian left, Michaels was the one that convinced Fallon to actually take that seat. Hmm. Then after that whole drama, which I don't know if you remember about the late the Tonight yeah. Show, like O'Brien was on it for like a minute. Yeah. Jay Leno had to come back. Uh, Michael. Oh, I remember it. That was that was historic. That that's an episode on the business behind. Or no, no. Not the business guys, all business, because that's us. That was uh, Business Wars. It was a uh, whole series of episodes on Business Wars. It, oh, man. That was drama. And I mean, it we didn't see the behind the scenes, but that was definitely drama mm-hmm. surrounding that. But while that happened and Jay Leno came back for that, for that time period, Michaels was the one that decided that Jimmy Fallon should take that position. And that is how Jimmy Fallon took over the late t- the Tonight Show. And then even when he did take over, Jimmy Fallon was really smart. He actually made it a point to connect with Jay Leno and actually called Jay Leno often for advice. And in an interview that Jay Leno did for Men's Magazine, this is what he had to say about Jimmy Fallon. He said, quote, most people in show business think they know everything. They really don't listen to anybody else. They just wait for the other person to stop talking. 
Respectful is the best word I can use for Jimmy. End quote. All right. So it's really no, I guess, mystery on how Jimmy got to his success as quickly as he did. I mean, he Mm -hmm. was incredibly smart about reaching out to the right people. And he his general approach to everybody else that he comes in contact with is basically never to create any bad blood. And even even though in these late night shows, there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of other competing shows. He makes it a point to never speak badly about any of his competitors, including Jimmy Kimball or Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's and good. Naturally, we can all say that his 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 work ethic and his approach worked because in 2004 or as of 2014, he's attra- he's attracting four million viewers to each one of his shows. Wow. And the bigger part of it is that he was able to attract a demographics of users between the age of 18 and 49, thanks to the fact that a lot of his skits have gone viral online, mm-hmm. which is a much higher share than any of what his predecessors can claim to have done. And then in an interview to um, uh, Men's Journal, um, Jimmy Fallon says that he doesn't see that his ascension to like the coveted late night seat as a result of careful strategizing. He says, quote, I just kind of did what I do. Um, maybe Michael Lawrence was playing the chess game more than I am. I could be just a piece that he was playing. But if he is, it's a great move for me because we're both winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so I would say that he's done pretty well for himself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I, re- I really like him, too. And and I remember the late night wars. And I think that his uh, not speaking poorly about any of those people is probably intentional as well to kind of squash the beef between all of them because it had gotten I, I remember it so vividly it had gotten really bad it became such a cat fight between all the late night um, hosts so his not saying anything his not engaging probably is what dried the whole thing up and just put everybody back into their corners um, but it's such a <laughs> such a bizarre it was bizarre at the time I, it's so bizarre. <laughs> I agree and I can only imagine what it was like to kind of try to step into Jay Leno's shoes. Oh gosh. As like, this no. young guy, you know, new kind of, you know, quote unquote new to the whole late night scene and having to get into his shoes. Jay Leno. Yeah. Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. Um, yeah Jay Leno had to go terribly through. wrong. Oh, yeah. But Jay Leno had to do the same thing, right, with Johnny Carson. Like, Johnny Carson was beloved, absolutely beloved. And at the time, there were no other shows or rather late night show hosts. You know, Johnny Carson was the alpha and the omega and and Jay Leno had to had to jump into those shoes. And everyone was like a comic, a comic taking over for Johnny Carson. Like, I remember that was that was a lot of turmoil as well. And his getting that part was also very um, controversial between him and David Letterman. If you get an opportunity to listen to Business Wars, um, funny thing is I haven't listened to that particular one. I've been wanting to. Um, but I remember all of this from memory because I was like, this is so bizarre. Like people are fighting about late night shows. But um, you, you should you should definitely uh, listen to it because Jay Leno on the – TV compared to who Jay Leno was um, by by the standards of everyone around him, two totally different persons. And so it's mm-hmm. fascinating, fascinating piece of our media history. 
Wow. I would say that <clears throat> Jimmy's, um, Jimmy Fallon's kind of rise to fame and staying there has a lot to do with his ability to network well and build a lot of good oh, yeah. relationship. Well, Sounds yeah. Like in a very sincere way, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Network well without burning bridges, which is that's the that, that's the problem, right, is that there's a lot of people who climb that ladder by by stepping on people's heads. And um, doesn't seem like Jimmy Fallon did that, which is nice. It's good to know because I actually like him and I don't want to not like one more person. Um, <laughs> because, because, because I am who I am, I naturally plucked a networking icon from the pages of history. And I dare say he was the ultimate, even in this day of creating a network of the people he wanted to be surrounded by and he used them to his fullest advantage. And I tell you, there were two other people who were in the running. It was Madonna and Jennifer Lopez. And instead, <laughs> instead, because Madonna and Jennifer Lopez, like Jennifer Lopez, there should be a class on that girl. There was a class on Madonna and there should be a class on Jennifer Lopez if there is one. Because oh, both of those women... I can't wait to hear the winner that knocked both of them out of contention. <laughs> those two women were super connectors, but they were nothing, nothing compared to Ben Franklin. <laughs> ben Franklin, he was a lot of things to a lot of people. And he introduced North America to a multitude of things, including, but not limited to, the United States Postal Service. Franklin is arguably the father of social networking as he was a genius with his letters He used them to purposely shift narratives and to strategically get the things he wanted. His letters would say things like, please introduce me to this famous person. Please share my ideas with that influential person. I mean, it doesn't get more super connector than that, right? So Franklin started what is probably the first networking group, Junto, which was part Toastmaster and part Rotary Club. He pioneered the idea of pay it forward, which is a core concept of most networking groups. He worked his way through groups, wined and dined the French aristocracy, and sold them all on the crazy idea of an independent nation, which didn't take much since the French would do anything to make the English crown angry. Uh, for all intents and purposes, <laughs> Ben Franklin was the PR super connector Washington needed to win the revolution. I mean, with that, Franklin invented the way we still do business today. He, the amount of time he spent on literally whining and dining the French to get money from them. And he would send it to Washington. And, and Washington was the, what Ben was the personality. Ben Franklin was the personality. Thomas Jefferson was the, was the brain, you know, the, the lawyer in the background. And Washington was the cavalier, handsome, you know, status symbol of the American Revolution. The one could not have been as strong without the other. All three of them had to work together in order to achieve what they did. And Ben Franklin was a schmoozer, absolute schmoozer. It's not so funny because I feel like you, you don't learn anything about his personality in history books, right? Or like rather history textbooks, right? right? And there are actually a lot of books out there because he's such a fascinating character. I mean, people, it's it's more than just a kite and lightning. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. awesome. He has a very colorful, interesting life. So certainly if you get a chance to read up on anything that's written about him, um, you'll be able to see kind of what a very dynamic character he is. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure there's got to be books out there because there's definitely a lot of articles out there about um, taking his processes, I guess, the way that he went about it, the way that he went about connecting and networking and schmoozing and saying the right things and putting them into today. 
into today's standards, the way to, the way people do business today. And it fits perfectly because the guy basically invented the way that we currently still do business. The way we currently network is, was invented by Ben Franklin. So, you know, I mean, the guy was, yeah, the guy was a complete super connector and he's, the, I mean, he, he managed to get money and get uh, people excited um, in Spain, uh, the Prussians, he got the Prussians involved. He got the, obviously the French involved. And I mean, that's why we're here in the United States of America. So there we go. With each episode, we like to share either books, tools, apps, platforms, or anything we think is a great next step and connector to our discussion. So if you like our subject matter and want to learn more, you'll have a great place to start. Okay. So I have two videos on YouTube that I'm recommending. And both of these videos are is by somebody named uh, Lisa Nichols. And she can help um, help you actually create powerful and memorable first impressions. So go to YouTube, search Lisa Nichols. So that's spelled N-I-C-H-O-L-S. And then um, elevator pitch. And then you'll see two videos of her talking about the snap technique. So that's S-N-A-A-P. And what this technique does is helps you craft an intro that creates just an unforgettable first impression. So it's kind of loosely like what we were saying, which is, you know, talk about the results. Don't talk about what you do. But she has these two videos that kind of takes you through the process of how you can craft one for yourself. And then overall, just look her up when you get a chance to. Like she has a wonderful story about how she ended up being the founder of a company called Motivating the Masses. And she has also worked her way up to be kind of world renowned and one of the most highly requested motivational speakers. Hmm. Is there a way to um, maybe hyperlink those two? Maybe we can figure it out. Do that. <laughs> Maybe we can figure it out. And then sure. Yes. Yes. We can I say we when I mean you. Yes. <laughs> the person creating the show notes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then my recommendation is practice, practice, mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll be the first to admit when I when I first started the business, I was terrible at networking events. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Like I could actually literally see people's eyes glaze over even before <laughs> the end of my sentence. Should have taken my class with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was one of those overly self-confident people going, oh, I know how to do this. How hard could this possibly be? Anyway, <laughs> in addition to that, I was also an introvert. So uh, talking to strangers in the big room of people just made me nervous, which just made me even more awkward. So on top of not being able to find the right words, I was just awkward. Mm-hmm. So I practiced. Um, so if I knew about the class of Savannah, it may have saved me some pain. But um, instead, I took the route of, you know, for a month. Basically, like you said, because we're in this northern Virginia area, there's a networking event literally almost every day for a month. I signed up for any networking event I could and every day attended networking events for the sole purpose of practicing my intro over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. until I got the right response that I wanted. I was also practicing my conversation technique and then I was also practicing how to overcome my own nerves. Yeah. So eventually I was able to evolve to finding a way to introduce myself where I felt sincere, genuine, authentic, got the message across with the right impression that I wanted to um, to um, place. And the rest is history. 
(laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a good way to end it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sure. But practice. I think nothing replaces just you putting in the work to actually practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, I can't say there's a book I would recommend to read. Uh, I, I think that there's probably a lot out there. Um, you, but you really, I, I recommend the same thing. You need to just get out there and network. You need to practice. Uh, the best tools for this are to start with, uh, the best tools to start with are LinkedIn and Meetup. I also recommend Facebook groups. If you like Facebook, that is. Uh, I also like hiring managers, job candidates, and other potential professionals to establish relationships with them. Uh, you can also find great networking opportunities online through Shaper, that's S-H-A-P-R, Bumblebiz, uh, B-I-Z-Z, Fishbowl, or Blind. Um, we've, we've made other suggestions on episode 12, part one of our three-part series, Organic Marketing versus Networking. So give that one a listen as well. Some of what we said here overlaps that episode, so it helps to marry the information in both for a full experience. Please join us for our next episode where we will discuss part two of our four-part series, May I Have Your Business Card, Making Cards Work for You. Do you still use them? Are they still effective? And what is a business card in 21 anymore anyway? Want to ask a question, leave a comment, or become a sponsor for a future episode of The Business Behind Small Business? Click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Until next time, thanks. Bye.